Welcome to Wow Soch, a show where we take you on a literary journey with award-winning authors and what makes the Valley of Words such a spectacular literature fest, running its fifth edition this year. Welcome to the fourth edition of Valley of Words um, in a session entitled Prince, Patron and Patriarch. So the subject for today is uh, Francophonie and we have with us uh, His Excellency, the Ambassador of France, um, Emmanuel Lena. We have His Highness Maharaja Sukhjit Singh of Kapoorthala. We have Cynthia Frederick, um, all um, lovers of France in at different degrees. And um, the focus will be uh, history, if I may say, because we are talking about uh, the grandfather of His Highness. So can we begin by, uh, for, for people who are not uh, familiar with uh, um, Kapoor Thala or the late, late His Highness, um, if, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about him. So there's a context in which we, we talk about France, India, the Maharaja. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. On vous dit soyez le bienvenu à Masuri pour ce petit discours qu'on va avoir entre les participants pour l'histoire de mon feu grand-père. Je vous remercie infiniment pour l'honneur que vous nous accueillez ici à Masuri. May I now switch to English and try and cover the topic that Mr. Amanath has brought up. My late grandfather was quite a unique um, personage in his own right, not because he was um, a prince and a ruler of uh, erstwhile princely India, of the state of Kapurthala, but for his immense um, uh, span of vision, hum humanism, and above all, his absorption of culture, and in all its forms and aesthetics of which, of course, naturally, in his day and age, France was the epicenter of art and culture. And apart from that, if you take your mind back to the um, 19th century and the um, late part of the 18th century, all international treaties were signed in French, written in French, and the heart or the epicenter of all aesthetics was considered to be the Belle France et Paris. This was considered to be the very heart of all cultural activity and aesthetic beauty, which is absolutely true in its own way. Now, my grandfather was born in, um, in 1872 and um, he, was installed as the ruler of Kapurthala at the very tender age of five. He was five years old when his father died. So naturally he was put under the tutelage of um, a Regency Council and uh, some very, very, um, I would say, um, knowledgeable and um, learned British tutors 
were appointed to look after his education and his development. And the name that comes to mind immediately is Mr. A.R. Wood, who was his tutor. And he was known in Kapurthala as Lakri Saab because of his name. Uh, Wood okay. in So he's known as the Lakri Saab. But an exceptional human being in his own right. And he quickly saw that his young charge had a remarkable talent and flair for languages and aesthetics, which Mr. Wood started encouraging him and developing him in his interest. And as it happened, Mr. Wood was also one of the first um, to accompany my grandfather abroad on his first trip to uh, France in 1893 as far back as that. And that's where the love affair of my grandfather and uh, France began. And it continued unabated right till his death in 49. Now, he's one of the few Indian princes who um, uh, ruled for well over six decades. And he virtually knew his subjects by name, almost, um, at least all the important functionaries. He knew them all by name. And that only uh, is achieved when you have a very close relationship. And in the Indian context, um, rulership was not just um, um, administering a lot of human beings. No, it was a maibab or a mother-father context, which had to be honored and was governed by dharma or religion. The ruler was accountable to, for all his deeds under his fate, whatever it be. And this is the remarkable thing about um, the Indian princely states, that while there might have been riots in British India uh, between various communities, most of the states by and large remained always very peaceful because of the maibab or the mother-father configuration between their ruler and, their, and the subjects. They look to him for justice, can, and they look to him for... Can I, ask you, can I ask you a question at this stage, if I might? Because it, is it not unusual that you have a British tutor, Mr. Wood, uh, you know, encouraging his interest in France? Because uh, in the 19th century, the, the French and the British were not entirely friendly. And so, uh, so it was... Uh, you know, because they were even in Pondicherry and so on, you know, and on the seas there, it was an ongoing uh, maritime war. So would it not be considered uh, subvertive for a Maharaja uh, with a British tutor to be encouraging a, um, a Maharaja to become Francophile because he was called the, uh, the Le Roi Francophile. So was it because uh, our enemies, enemies, our friend, was that the reason? And even Jeet Singh, when he fought uh, the British, he had French generals and, and military training. So how was that reconciled? How was that seen at the end of the late 19th century, that here is a Maharaja who is under British tutelage, but loves France? Well, may I give a slightly different perspective, if you permit? Uh, I would like to put it to you this way. But Mr. Wood realized that his, his young charge had a fascination with geography. And in that geographical exploitation of knowledge, I think 
his focus was on Europe. And it was after the first trip to, um, uh, to, to Europe in 1893 that the, the great association developed between France, where my grandfather found his first passion of aesthetics, architecture, uh, art, and the appreciation of the aesthetics. That's where the first um, cementing of this association began. I wouldn't say that Mr. Wood encouraged it, but he encouraged his love of geography. And in that, the, um, um, the, um, the knowledge and the association with Europe came out, and then automatically it gravitated towards France. But gra my grandfather was rooted entirely in Britain for his administrative um, performance and, and, uh, and um, parameters and his knowledge and his, his, um, his examples. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. But for aesthetics... But, but yet, his di diary notations were in French. You know, it's still interesting that all his uh, notes in the diary he took in the French language. Was it because it was considered more chic or superior because it was the international diplomatic language? It was actually even actually, on the motto of the British royals that, you know, the motto mm -hmm. is in French. Yeah. Would you he actually had a natural talent for languages. And he, yeah. uh, he noted that he just found French to be such, he, he called it la plus belle langue de, uh, du monde. He found that it was such a beautiful, elegant language. He was, uh, he was naturally took to it. So you see his diaries, all of a sudden, they're in English for a few years, and then they're completely and he was fluent in the language. So when he arrived in Paris in 1893, he was able to ease into Parisian society, make numerous friends, and then he, of course, became a very well-known figure in France. And then the language opened up so many doors in his travels, as we'll discuss in a bit, because that was the language mondial. Everyone spoke it. Apart from that, his fascination with the French language was that he considered it the most elegant language. For example, when you close a letter in France, you close it with such salutations that you cannot, they look trite in English, but in French they flow beautifully. Yeah, salutations. Now, what could be more graceful than that? But put it into English, it sounds trite. Trite, yes. It does. You have to. You have to give what do you well, have to say to this, Your Excellency? Your Excellency, maybe you should come in at this, you know, with all of us uh, Francophones here. What is your comment? We are talking about the end of the 19th century and a man who has better taste than the others to like Paris more um, than London, if I might say. I don't, I don't, I don't have much to say. I must say that I swallow your words, and I, I see that the uh, uh, Francophilie has passed for generations, and I'm amazed by uh, your comment of my language and your taste for, for this language. I mean, the, uh, I, I think in the, in the 19th century, uh, this sort of education was not that common, but not also, I mean, uh, uh, in the most educated classes, not, not totally unusual. I mean, uh, in Europe, we would have 
computers and in France also from uh, from any other country, major country of Europe. You would have uh, in Paris, you would have tutors coming from uh, from the UK or from uh, or from Germany or from other places. I think we were living in this in a uh, smaller but uh, rather cosmopolitan society and so I'm not, I'm not totally surprised and uh, and also given that and I was perfectly recalled the uh, uh, by you Aman the links uh, were established uh, between the rulers in Punjab and uh, and French French offices after the, uh, the Napoleon Wars and uh, some of them left uh, a very uh, uh, strong memory and a, a big, a big uh, imprint in history. And uh, so I'm not totally surprised on that, but fascinated by the story you, you recall. Yeah. So, uh, Johannes, uh, we, we also know that uh, Maharaja Jagajit Singh uh, represented India thrice at the League of Nations. Which is, uh, you know, you know, kind of a singular honor. Uh, I think Bikaner also did, was uh, in that league. But why would you think that he was chosen of all the Indian princes to go thrice for the League of Nations? Would you have a comment on that? Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. I would like to suggest that because of his facility with the French language. He addressed the assembly on three occasions in French, which was quite unusual. And in, you mentioned the Zionists of Bikaner. That is correct. So did the Zionists of Singh of Patella represent India at one of the sessions. But what is interesting is, apart from representing India thrice at the League of Nations, 26, 27, and 29, um, my uh, late grandfather also represented India at the inauguration of the war memorial erected in France at Neuve Chapelle in 1927. There he spoke in English. Uh, Lord Burton had he had the advantage of uh, being such a cosmopolitan person, he was a natural diplomat. The League of Nations was the forerunner to our modern UN. So he uh, was a very gregarious, well-known figure in international society with diplomatic circles. He knew almost all of the French presidents uh, during his time. So he was uh, the most logical choice. And I think he really served that role to such a uh, you know, such a degree of, of excellency. And, you know, he was the Maharaja of Kapurthala. Otherwise, he would have been a, a wonderful diplomat for India. So did, did uh, the, your, your uh, grandfather meet uh, Clemenceau when he came to India? Would you, would you know Clemenceau. that? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, because, you know, Clemenceau came and he saw the building yeah. of New Delhi and he said, this will be the grandest ruin of all because, you know, I mean, they were not particularly uh, friendly with um, England. But uh, what is interesting is that Lahore was called the Paris of the Orient and Punjab was called the Paris 
of the Punjab. So that, so it was actually uh, in petite colony, you know, within within that. And um, uh, well, as you know, Your Highness, well, I also have a Kapootala connection because uh, my grandmother's father was the Divan of Kapootala for the Bairaj estates. So I know that he he went to Paris and he brought uh, rubber gloves for my grandmother to say that elegant ladies must know how to cook, but they must never have a mark on their fingers, a knife mark. So uh, raffinement was certainly something which uh, uh, the Maharaja spread uh, among his courtiers and made them conscious of this fact, you know, because Punjab is also known to be very, uh, well, brute and Texas in its own way. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Amen, um, that's a lovely story. to a point that, uh, you know, so many people have contacted us who've read the book, who have a connection to Kapurthala. The Maharaja had so many friends across the world, and we're hearing from the descendants of these people. They want to come to Kapurthala. They want to learn more about these connections. So it's wonderful to have your story, too, to include in, in future writings. I just want to add to your, to your uh, uh, little repertoire that uh, Kapoorsa Ramir College, as it is known in the old days, and now is no yes. above a Singh College. Um, the Ramir College was one of the first small colleges affiliated to the whole university, Punjab University, but was the only college that taught French as a foreign language. And Lahore University was affiliated to Kapoorthala for French. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Wow, that's interesting. That's very interesting, yeah. So what I find also interesting about the Maharaja, it was not just a Paris-centric, but because, uh, you know, France colonized Morocco, uh, that he also uh, had great interest in Moorish architecture, that he builds um, a mosque, a copy of a mosque in a French colony in Kapoorthala um, with exquisite details. So can you tell us a little more about the Muslim subjects of Kapoorthala? and the Moorish, uh, Moorish Mosque? Well, you see, in the old days, Kapoorthala, though it was ruled by a Sikh ruler, my grandfather, who was Sikh by, by uh, professed uh, belief, and uh, uh, a Sikh in, um, in uh, all its, its configurations. Um, Sikhism was his, his belief. But he ruled over a population which was 60% Muslim. So when he built this mosque, the interesting story connected with it was that uh, the Viceroy in, 20, in 1930-31 asked him for an explanation as to why he had spent so much money on a place of worship. And my grandfather wrote back what I think is a classic reply and shows his secular credentials. He wrote back and said, Your Excellency may be unaware or it may have slipped Your Excellency's attention that though I am a Sikh ruler, 60% of my most loyal and devoted subjects are Muslim, and the best place of worship therefore must be theirs. End of conversation. 
It never came up again. Um, this mosque is a copy of the mosque in the Kutbia Mosque in Morocco, which my grandfather visited in 1922. And he fell in love with this mosque because it is, it, it, it's of an architectural style totally unique of its own kind. And he wanted the unique Fokopurzla. So he built, he, he saw a similar replica in Paris in 1925. And then he contacted the, the Parisian architect who had built it, Monsieur Monteau. And uh, he got the plans drawn up from Mr. Monteau. And was, uh, he commissioned the same um, uh, architectural style of mosque on a miniature scale in Kapurthala, which is still extant. Oh, so I didn't know that the, the Marrakesh mosque is built by a French architect, is it? Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Montu had worked also extensively in Bobigny, so in, at the hospital there, and that which is also done in that Moorish style. So it's wonderful that there's yet another French connection there in Kapurthala. But what, what would be of great interest for your uh, your excellency to note is it, it, I think it's not entirely correct, but it's it's what is commonly said, like they say about Agra, that there was going to be a black Taj Mahal across the river. So they all say that Versailles was meant to be extended when, when you know the, the royalty ran into its problems. And the extension plans of Versailles is what the Maharaja bought and built in Kapurthala. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that, Your Highness? Well, this is, I think this um, uh, is because uh, my grandfather chose um, uh, two uh, Frenchmen who were um, Alexandre They were two partners in uh, the architectural field who specialized in building grand structures for foreign nobility and people like that. And I don't, I'm not, I cannot comment on whether it was the extension plan of Versailles which he brought in, but certainly the model of Versailles and um, uh, these other French um, architectural models were, um, left a very strong impression on his mind. And he had, uh, he had them replicated in. Yes, in, in, in the towers, you have the Mansa roofs. Also, uh, I don't know, Your Excellency, have you visited the chateau in Masuri or is it the COVID that got in the way? I'm dying to visit the chateau, <laughs> the castle. And, uh, I will be in Masuri for, for the festival and will be glad to have the honor to uh, to visit the chateau if it's possible. Of course, yes. I had a great pleasure of staying there. And I remember, I think that I measured the bathroom was 35 feet long in, in the pink room in which I stayed. It's, you know, it's, it's quite a pleasure to see the scale of the chateau. It has just four grand suites and it speaks of an era 
and the way it's been terraced also. I think the, the landscape architect must certainly have been also French. He was. Well, he, he was so fascinated, enamored with the French gardens at Versailles. He loved La Notre's landscapes. So that's what he wanted to make sure that you see this in uh, the, the Jagajit Palace, terraced gardens, embroideries, and fountains. And to a lesser degree, he had those elements recreated at the Chateau Capercola. But obviously, that wasn't as an expansive a property. And what is also notable about the Chateau, it's un petit coin de France in Missouri, because that uh, structure was very much influenced by the chateaus of the Loire Valley that he visited, and especially in particular the Chateau Chaumont sur Loire, which was owned by his friend, the Princess de Blois. So he spent a lot of time there, and you can really see that French Renaissance style of influence there uh, in the chateau. It's, it's not entirely a petit chateau, I might say, because uh... It does occupy a lot of space in a hill station, which has got a lot of slopes, and they've created fantastic flat areas. So, would how many French uh, dignitaries have visited it? Would are there some notable names that you would like to tell us who stayed at the chateau in Masuri, and also tell us what the let's say a, a, an average day of the Maharaja would have been in Masuri when he was there? Like this Sochcast. Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Well, I was just going to say, we, we know that he had a very uh, active social life in Missouri. He was a prominent figure there as well, or here rather, as well as in, in Paris when he wasn't traveling there. So he would host uh, many lunches, dinners, uh, galas at, at the Chateau. I also want to add that he did not uh, neglect his duties as the ruler of Capertha and kept his eye on, on, uh, on managing the state. But there were also lawn parties. Uh, you know, back in Missouri, in that era, it was a different time. You had flower shows, dog shows. There were simpler pleasures in life. And you didn't come up the way we do now for, for a weekend. You would come up for the whole season. And so many families all came, also came up there. Everyone knew each other. It was a different sense of community then. But the entertainments were of that era. So, and the chateau was also built for entertaining. So there was a billiard room, a ballroom, and again, the tennis court. So it was an active, uh, you know, very active social life and just the type of, of uh, world that has really disappeared. And actually, your Highness can talk a little bit about what he remembers about those wonderful days in Missouri. Absolutely, yes. We'd like to hear that. And about some scandals also, because uh, you can't have France with a little France without scandals. <laughs> We didn't have a scandal point in, in Missouri, like in Simla, but Missouri uh, did have its little flights of fancy here and there, quite right. <laughs> it did. And Missouri so offered... Some which I would... can we... Now, can you narrate uh, well, something I'm... of... of you? 
childhood and something that you remember? Well, we, there were two breweries in Missouri <clears throat> that produced some very good quality beer. And um, uh, the, the breweries had their own little stories to tell, including a few ghost stories and things like that. So uh, Missouri is not quite without its, um, its own little um, book of fairy tales. But nonetheless, they were simple, relatively innocent little flirtations that went on because um, everywhere in the hill stations this was de rigueur as part, as oh, part of, of the hill station You had the Raja of Harsil there. You know, the Raja of Harsil who was the richest man in Asia who had, uh, uh, well, his children made a lot of scandals in Masuri. I, I read that fascinating book about the Raja of Harsil and how he became, he minted his own coins and yeah, he, he created a lot of havoc. Yeah. He made his fortune on timber, on the, on the, yes. t uh, the timber wealth of, um, of uh, the hills. Ma That's where he made Maharaja his Teddy Garwal is the one, yes, Maharaja, yes. Your Excellency, we've actually, it's a pity that you've not yet been to Masuri or uh, Kapoorthala. Otherwise, we, you could have had some more uh, contributions to make. But uh, since we are all of us rattling on a subject of which you should be the specialist, uh, which is France, maybe you could have some concluding words to, you know, I don't know how much more time we are supposed to talk, actually. Is there? Uh... But interesting to note, you were asking about scandal. But the reason yes. why Maharaja uh, Jagajit Singh when came to Missouri and decided to build here is because he wanted to be away from the the prying eyes of the viceroys. Shimla was the place oh, yeah. to be. And he went to Shimla oh. and he noticed that they were keeping tabs on him and his friends, the fellow Rajas of uh, Patiala and Dolphor. So Patiala, he decided yeah, absolutely. to restrict it. So when he came over here, he could literally let his hair down, so to speak. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. So, Your Excellency, would you? is there something you'd like to say? Well, um, just I want to express my, uh, and I'm grateful to uh, to His Highness, to uh, Cynthia, and also to you, Aman, for reviving this uh, very, very powerful and very strong history. And it's uh, it's a matter of pride for me to uh, uh, to listen to you and to listen to this history. I mean, uh, having such a francophile, I mean, who built, uh, was fascinated with French architecture to the point he built such a chef-d'oeuvre. I'm uh, very eager to uh, to visit in Missouri, in, uh, in Caportana, and uh, inspired by, as you said, by castles like Versailles, like Fontainebleau, like Chaumont-sur-Loire, -Sur -Sur and many castles which are very dear to the earth of French people. It's, it's uh, it's magnificent and it's great. Uh, understand also that uh, uh, he had a, he had a real love for passion for uh, many aspects and very very eclectic way of a French culture. And I'm sure this uh, has contributed to expand his horizon to to the point he became as you 
as you uh, recall us, a great diplomat and uh, uh, be, being a representative at the League of Nations and in uh, many other fora. And uh, I think this is uh, this is really relevant and really uh, uh, more for us. Uh, the collaboration he enjoyed with uh, with a French architect, but it go, it goes it goes beyond, I think, and as you uh, rightly put it, I mean not just uh, a large patron uh, uh, paying for for buildings or for piece of art. I mean, I think it, it from what you say, it clearly stems that he had a, a deep understanding of our of our culture and uh, and which is. Uh, or follower very very precious with all this I, I want really to to thank you I'm looking forward i'm reading the book and i thank also the book for uh, 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 publishing the, uh, this uh, this wonderful book and uh, i'm really looking forward to uh, uh, to seeing all of you on site now thank you very much like this sochcast Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. When you come to uh, Tijara, actually, you know, the, the only hotels which are called, because in France you have the Chateau Fort, which we don't have in India. When we when we have palaces, we call the palace or we call it fort. But both Nimrana well, and Tijara uh, are actually <laughs> forts. Oh, we, we used to have this, but we, we stopped having Chateau Fort uh almost eight century ago huh? it's not it's not it's not something very new the chateau fort in france no no so so the nimrana which is 15th century is called chateau fort because the fort palace is the translation from the french so the influences continue and uh, we have uh, mapu or martan singh's mother's pictures uh, you know uh, in tijara when she modeled in paris uh, wearing those wonderful clothes. So I've got some Art Deco frames and some portraits, uh, French portraits of the uh, princesses and Maharani's of Kapoorthala. So both of you, when you visit us, you'll have the pleasure of seeing a little more of France there too. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.